You're listening to the Sick Mom's Guide Podcast, Episode 14. Welcome to the Sick Mom's Guide Podcast with my mom, Jane Hardy. She believes that if moms can get rid of the shame and guilt and start talking, you'll be able to make each other stronger. This is Jen Hardy, and I'm so happy to have you with me today because I am talking to Jenny Eden Burke. She is the author of the best-selling book, The Body Image Blueprint. She also has her own practice where she is devoted to helping women, men, and teens heal their relationship with food and their bodies. We're going to be talking about our bodies, how to make peace with them. We're going to talk in a G-rated way about pleasure and giving yourself permission to experience it and breaking free of all those bad feelings that we have associated with our bodies. So sit back, relax, and check it out. Hey, Jenny, how are you doing today? Hi, Jen. I'm doing great. Thanks for having me today. Oh, I'm so happy that you're here. Can you tell us a little bit about you and what you do? Absolutely. So my name is Jenny Eden Burke, and I'm a certified eating psychology coach, body image mentor, a motivational speaker, and the best-selling author of the book, The Body Image Blueprint. And I help women and men heal their relationship with food and with their bodies. And that is something that almost every person needs to hear. I think, especially in our culture. Oh my gosh, I am so happy that you're going to be talking about that today. So, so what made you decide that you wanted to write the book? Oh goodness! So this book was in my head and my heart for a long, long time because I wanted to share my story of um, of how I was really indoctrinated into dieting culture at a very young age, and the two different voices that I had growing up. One that said, you know, you're beautiful. You're fine the way you are. And the other one that said, no, 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 you've got to, you've got to exercise. You've got to be thin. You've got to like, you know, restrict calories and how I really struggled for a very long time to which voice to listen to. And, um, I, I really wanted to tell that story, but then, um, a couple of years ago when I was thinking and conceptualizing the book, I, I realized I needed to hear other people's stories too. And so what I did was I, I interviewed over 60 people ranging from ages 22 to 60, no, 70. Um, and I asked them all kinds of questions because I wanted to see where the commonality was between us. Because you said it right from the beginning, like every woman and men too, like struggle in some way with food or with their bodies. And so I asked questions like, you know, when do you feel most comfortable in your skin? When do you feel least comfortable in your skin? When did you first have an opinion about your body? What was something that somebody said to you that left an impression on you? What would it take to love your body unconditionally? And anyway, the people gave me such wisdom nuggets, such grace, such beautiful, honest, raw comments. I wanted to include all of it, but I couldn't. And I started to find these patterns that emerged. And it's not just about your body or your size or your shape, but it was about I hate my varicose veins or like, I wish I had a different nose or I wish my boobs were bigger. I wish my boobs were smaller. I wish, you know, my hair was different, curly, straight. And I started to see like, wow, we're all suffering. We're all suffering. And why is this happening? And what can we do to change that conversation and to make, to really show the diversity and the beauty in diversity in our bodies? Um, so I, I quoted a bunch of people and I created like, you know, just kind of wisdom around what their their answers were and then for the final part of the book it's really like a very straight up uh self-help 
I identified four body image healing realms, um, the social realm, the um, nutritional realm, the physical realm, and the embodiment realm. And I knew that this was a way that I could structure it because body image, it's, it's almost like this intangible sort of thing. People feel it like it's not a protocol that you follow. It's a lot more flowy, you know, like there are steps that you can take, but you really have to conceptualize it in a certain way to really and, and understand that it's a journey, that there's no destination here really, but it's it, everybody's on a journey to to really bring reverence to their physical selves and to trust their bodies and to bring respect and and to listen deeply to what our bodies want to share with us so that we know how to nourish it, right? Yeah, and I think that is so brilliant too because people, they they listen so much to what everybody else says about their body, but not listening to their own body. And so I think, especially for those of us with chronic illness or whatever, and we have people saying, you know, no, you're not sick and no, that's not wrong. And no, you know, just ignore it, that that's not always the best answer. Mm-hmm. And that listening to our bodies, you know, and the things that we know we should or shouldn't eat, even if somebody says, oh, go ahead and eat that, it's fine. If it makes you sick, like it's good to listen to that. Absolutely. Oh, I so agree with that. And also like, just to, I know we're going to, probably talk about this more, but like, you know, the concept of, can you love a a sick body? Can you love a broken down body? Can you love a body that, you know, isn't feeling good? And how do we do that? Because the truth is, we're not always going to be healthy and comfortable and pain free. And yet we still have to live in these vessels. So how do we do it in a way that, you know, gives us permission to feel pain and to feel discomfort and not dissociate from our bodies, but really manage whatever pain we're in emotionally, physically. And, and to say that just because we're in pain or that there's illness doesn't mean we're broken. doesn't mean that we're not worthy. A healthy body is obviously ideal, but that doesn't take away our worth no matter what condition you have. And that is something that I think we just need a sign made of that <laughs> in all of our rooms by our bed, right? So it's the yeah. first thing we see we, when we get up. Absolutely. Yeah. In fact, so since we're already here, do you want to talk about that a little bit? Like how, how can people get through? Like if they look in the mirror and say, okay, this is not the body either that I had before or that I imagined I would have by this point, right? And so you, you know, you get up and you look in the mirror and you're just like, this isn't it. How can I be happy, right? How can people get through that to being, having peace? It's such a good question. And, you know, like I said earlier, it's a, it's definitely a journey. I can't say that you wake up one day and you're like, oh my God, I'm hot. (laughs) You know, I love my body. I'm in love with it. It's not really even about that. It's about, can we bring a level of reverence and respect and, and almost a marvel and gratitude for what our bodies are for and how our body serves us each and every day. Because for me, what I was able to do when I finally made that shift, it was really a paradigm shift that wait, wait a minute, this body isn't here for me to criticize and to loathe. This body is here to help me get around and to hold my children and to carry my babies and all the things that my this body has let me do let in life, dance and to make love and to go swimming and all the ways that we can feel and feel sensations and experience things through our vessels. When I started to tune into that, it was it's very hard to explain, but I was like, I almost was like, I'm raising the white flag on you. I, I surrender. Like, I'm not going to criticize you anymore. I'm not going to bully you anymore. And when I did that, 
um, I really just sort of shifted my whole thinking around, um, around beauty and around perceptions, because my perception is different than yours and yours is different than the person across the street. And really what is beauty? It's however we feel inside that gets, that gets emanated to the outside. And so then I realized like, I've got to do soul work. I've got to do, I've got to tap into this light more and, and, and spend less bandwidth and less energy trying to change this body or to comport it into some societal arbitrary ideal and instead figure out what do I need to do to feel my best so that I can contribute to the world more. And that's for me, how I healed my relationship with my body. Um, it's not that I'm happy that I get a year older every year. It's not that I'm happy if I see wrinkles. It's more that I, I, I almost like nod in appreciation and marvel in the fact that this is a body that ages. This is a body that has experienced so many things and will t- take me and carry me places. And that's what I need to focus on. Wow. That is amazing. And one day when I grow up, I want to be just like that. <laughs> I really do. You know, I'm really, I'm working at getting there. It's, it's, um, it's difficult. Like as we had talked before, you know, about my, you know, cause my muscles are going away and my body is slowly, you know, looking not like the LA ideal that I was raised on, you know, um, Christy Brinkley, I will never be <laughs> because, you know, like even today, like she looks just like she did, but you know, it's, it's amazing. Um, but yes, but think about what it takes for her to do that. Oh and also gosh, right? like, that's that's the problem right there is that we only see people like that. We don't see people in movies with cellulite and varicose veins and warts and all these things right. that exist on everybody. I know, you know see, but we I, just don't see it. I wish we did more. And it's interesting. I know this this is kind of an offshoot of that. I have a neighbor, my best friend, she is from Japan and she just moved here a year ago and she was talking about how they go to these pools, these hot pools, you know, the springs and they all go and they all take off their clothes and they go in these things together. And she said, you know, cause I said, you know, I'm going to the pool and I'm, I'm comfortable with my body. And she said, but you see, we see everybody. So we don't think about that that's just normal for us because we see young bodies and old bodies and healthy bodies and sick bodies and everybody's together and no one's looking and no one's judging because we're all just there to experience the beauty the beauty and I I thought oh my goodness you know we don't have anything like that here in our culture where we just exist naturally with people who are different and um yeah, it just, it's That's a true. different way of looking. Yeah. And so I thought, wow, you know, cause for us to get in a pool like that with a whole bunch of stranger, you know, it would just be, we would be like, what? Oh my goodness. Yeah. But we think about bodies, I think culturally in a, in a different way. So that's why I just love hearing what you have to say, because you're saying the same kind of thing. Like you just treasure it for being your body and doing what it can do. And yeah. And you know, I was reading this, um, article I, I i'll send it to you and maybe it, you can share it with your audience there was this amazing article about people who were um, in hospice care and um, there was a hospice care worker who was you know spending time with all the people and what they said was i regret all the years that i spent hating this body i regret that why why did people even care about whether i liked my body or not but i felt like people kept saying that I wasn't allowed to like it. And I listened and I acted in a way that was disrespectful to that body. And now all I wish in my life, all I wish is that I had more time to live in this body. And when I read that, I was so, it was so profound for me because I said, 
I have that opportunity right now to do that. I don't have to wait till I'm on my deathbed to right. say, God, I wish I had appreciated this body more because, you know, or I'm only going to like it after I lose 10 pounds. I'm only going to like it when I can climb a mountain. I'm only going to like it when I can fit in these pants and how, how limiting that is for us. Oh yeah. Okay. Yeah. Definitely give me that. And I will get it in the show notes. Okay. So everybody can read it because I think, right. yeah, that's a good thing to think about. And that's what, you know, that's something that hits me. Like as I watch my body, you know, decline a little bit that every day now is the best day. So mm-hmm. I need to do everything I could, I can while I have the best day. And I think that's everybody because we don't know when the end of our best days is, you know, and it could be when you're 90, you know, our grandma just died. My husband's grandma just died in her nineties and she modeled and danced up to 90. So, you know, you never know, but, but, um, yeah, but it's good to, to be able to to enjoy and appreciate what we've got. And I love you say things. So it's so easy to understand and you know, like believe the way you say it. And it's good. It's good. Thank you. And and again, like I have days where I feel miserable in my skin. I want to crawl out of my skin. It's not ever about like unconditional, always happy, always feeling amazing. It's not reality. But I have found that when I'm mindful, when I'm in the present moment, and you, you kind of just touched on this, when I'm not thinking about my glory days when I was in my 20s, and I'm not thinking about when I, in the future, if I think about what's going on right now, and like what you just said really resonates with me, like today's the best day ever. Today is what I have. That's the only thing I have. So let's, let's like seize that, right? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. So, um, so what are some important things for women to know about their bodies and how they view their bodies? Like women in general, because you touched on that men feel this way too, which does, I don't know, never really, I never really think about the men's side a lot, but since our audience, you know, since people are listening are generally women, because mm-hmm. I would imagine it's a little bit different. Is body focus different for men and women or is it, is it kind of the same? Are they worried about the same kind of things? Obviously not like boobs, but you know. <laughs> differences. I would say that the when I narrow it down to the innermost things, it's the same. We all want love. We want belonging. We want to, a sense of community. We want to feel desired. We want to feel appreciated and admired. We want to be connected. Those are all the same. And how we approach it is differently and how we feel about it is differently. What we do and who we talk to and communicate about it is different, but the, the elements are the same which is love and belonging, right? So for women, um, I'm sorry, say the question again. How do oh, that's women- okay. So what are some important things for women to know about their bodies and how they view them? What, so yes. That might be helpful. Yeah. So, I mean, there. I think what we need to, as a culture, really get behind is this idea that our bodies are here for a reason, that there's a purpose to every single part of our bodies, and except maybe the gallbladder, we don't know what that's for, really. <laughs> oh, wait, not the gallbladder, the appendix, the appendix, we don't know what that's for. But, um, you know, like, if we can, I feel like for women to, to really tap into, um, for instance, like, pick a part, pick a part of your body that you tend to criticize a lot. So for me, it used to be my belly or my arms, especially if after I had kids, because I had a really small, like a slim belly. And I always had a, you know, a big booty, but like my, my stomach was slim. And when I had babies, that was gone. And I was so angry for so long. Like that was the one thing I liked about my body and now it's gone. And, and I, when I started to reframe those thoughts about 
wow, like this body actually carried three children. Like that's unbelievable. And how much gratitude I have for, for my body being able to cooperate with me to do that. That I started to um, sort of melt into gratitude rather than loathing and anger and blame. And I started to very slowly go from body blame to body bliss because I was started to receive and be open to pleasure and pleasure is like a very controversial word in our society <laughs> because it like, Oh, you're a glutton and you're hedonistic and you know, you indulge too much, but pleasure is all what the human, it embodies the human experience where as a human species, we, we seek pleasure and avoid pain. So, but the problem is that we also moralize pleasure. And so we, we struggle with finding pleasure with our bodies, our sensations and pleasure with sex and pleasure with food. And we have a lot of conflict around it. But I have found that when we can tap into all the sensations and experiences that the human body is capable of, then there's a sense of marvel. There's a sense of wonder. There's a sense of my body can do that. Oh my goodness. Like who am I to sit here criticizing this arm flab when my, <laughs> when my body's capable of feeling all that, you know? And then, as I said earlier, like I started to like, you know, I always used to look in the mirror and be like, oh, look at these flab, look at this flab. And then I, I realized, you know, um, actually these arms are so I can hold my children and these arms are here so I can carry groceries and these arms are here for so much more than just me criticizing. And so what I would say to women is, number one is embodiment. You've got to agree to be in the body that you have. If you don't agree to be in it, you're never going to have an opportunity to feel the whole spectrum of emotions and sensations that our bodies are capable of. And we have to stop deciding that we're only going to accept it when it feels good and we're going to reject it when it feels bad, when, it, when we're in pain or discomfort, when we don't like the way it looks, when we're not capable of doing certain things or it prevents us from even trying to do certain things. And so that's what I would say is, you know, bringing the, um, the mindfulness piece of it, um, embodiment, like agreeing to be in your body, and then testing all the different sensations that uh, our human bodies are capable of. I love it. And, and, you know, to touch back on the pleasure thing, you know, it's funny when you say that, like, I think culturally, you know, that particular word seems to lend itself to like a sexual nature, like that's instantly where our brains tend to go. But I've noticed, especially over the last couple of years, since I started doing all this stuff trying to make my life better and help other people make their lives better is that I realized I was doing nothing for my own pleasure. And my whole life was have to, and even food, like I would buy the foods, my, my kids' favorite foods and my husband's favorite foods. And I was focused on that, but even getting something simply for myself that nobody else, like just for me that I really, it was pleasure. Like it felt, it was so good to eat it. Right. Like that one Definitely. thing where you're like, ah, oh, like yeah, <laughs> Ben and Jerry's cherry Garcia ice cream, you know, mm -hmm. with some like kettle chips on the side. Cause I'm a sweet, salty person, you know, but like, I would feel so guilty, like, oh, that's money, right, that I could spend on somebody else, so I wouldn't do it. But I found that when I do some things that make me feel, like you were saying, like, this body can make me feel really good. And it's not necessarily like a sexual thing. Like, it can be a lot of different ways you can feel good. Like, when you do a physical thing you didn't think you could do, like, you walked farther or exercised more, or you have that rush of, I did that, right? Yeah. And I feel it. Or you let yourself experience pleasure. I think that's, you've hit on something so huge, especially for moms, 
that mm-hmm. we push our pleasure aside and we're, ooh, we're not supposed to think about having pleasure, like in any way, right? Oh but my gosh. That if we allow ourselves to have more pleasure and we let our body feel good in whatever it is that makes it feel good, we'll enjoy our life more. And That's absolutely. We, when you, when you allow yourself, like, even if it's a bath, like for me, I, my body always feels so good in, in bodies of water and like, why don't I take baths? It feels amazing. Why? Because exactly what you just said. Well, I got to make sure the kids are fed and then I got to put them to bed. And then I, and there's always an excuse and a good reason to put other people before my own just basic needs of, um, you know, stress reduction techniques and ways that I can feel good in my skin. Yeah. Yeah. We actually, I had my husband hang a chandelier, like this beautiful chandelier in my bathroom because we have this big bathtub. So I could sit there and like, so I would have the full like visual, you know, like feeling like everything. And I've taken one bath and we hung that thing up like six months ago. And it's the same thing though. Like everybody else comes first and I need to, I really need to. And I, and I think it's not just me. Like I'm, I feel like I'm speaking to whoever is listening that it is okay to allow yourself to do what gives you pleasure and that your children will be happier when you actually have a smile on your face than when you're like gritting your teeth, running through your day, checking off those check boxes. Because like you said about people in hospice, nobody wishes they had checked more boxes. (laughs) Nobody wishes they had gotten that one thing done or redid the bathroom. Like nobody cares (laughs) about that at the end. They wish that they had done more what they enjoyed and done it with the people that they loved. Uh, 100%. Right? And, yes. and if we don't start focusing on that, then we're going to end up in that same place, you know? And, and yes. And, and this, this thing about like, if you can't, I think feeling comfortable in your mind, right. In having peace in your mind is number one, but number two, close second is if you don't feel at peace and at home in your own body, nothing else is going to feel right. Mm-hmm. If you're starting the day, not feeling right. So I'm, yeah. that's, I'm so glad that you're, that you're talking about all this, because it, I think it's just one of the cornerstone things that we need to start with to improve our lives. I totally agree with you. And also what a great role model to show that it's okay for mom to take care of herself and to show that to your kids, to our, when I, when my kids, like, for instance, if I go to the gym Sometimes my kids will say, why do you have to go to the gym? Don't leave. Like you're going to be gone an hour. And I feel a tremendous amount of guilt. But then I'm like, honey, you know, I'll say, you know, I'm doing this because I want to be healthy. I want to feel good in my skin. And yes, it takes me away for an hour, but ultimately it allows me to really spend more time with you because the time that I'm there with you is quality time. It's because I'm feeling good. And if I'm not feeling good, nobody's going to feel good, right? Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. I, I know my kids that do, do that to me all the time. And I'm like, because sometimes I have to do me things. And, you know, I've been a mom for 28 years and I just started doing me things about a year ago. And it was so hard because I didn't want to before. Like I just didn't have that desire, but now I do. And I feel so much better, you know, and, and I say yes to them when they say you want to play a game or you want to sit on the floor and play or whatever. I say yes so much more now than I did before because I'm feeling more satisfied and I'm feeling more happy and yeah, it just, it makes everything better. So even um, this podcast, it's a, it's a a gift to you. you It is a gift to me. I, I absolutely love it. Yeah. And I get to talk to people like you and I get to learn along with people listening. Like I get to 
like ask the questions that I've always wanted to ask of the people that I've always wanted to ask them, mm-hmm. which to me, it is, it's a gift. And, um, and it gives me an excuse to close the door and say, this is my <laughs> hour. All right. This is my time. Yeah. And, you know, we can call it work um, to my kids. It's work. They don't understand. But to me, this is not work. This is just absolutely a great time. I agree. It's playtime, right? <laughs> absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. And like hearing what you have to say firsthand, like it just, I don't know, it, 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 it makes me feel better inside. And I hope that it makes other people feel better inside too, because so too. That's we're just whole, struggling. That's whole MO in life. I just want other women to break free of those shackles that they've been sort of put on themselves for so long and, and realize that they're the only ones standing in their own way because we don't have to listen to what society says. We don't have to, we, we can shun the voices and the muck and the noise and just tune in to what is right and true for us. And I, I, when someone gave me permission to do that, I was like, oh, you mean I don't have to diet anymore? Like, seriously, like I could just be okay with what is. And when I, I, I realized like, oh my gosh, like, I can't believe I did that. I feel regret and I feel remorse and I feel sadness for what I did to that body, you know, for so many yeah. years, I feel so sad about it, but now I have a second chance and I want that so much for other women and moms, of course, moms who yeah. are in the trenches every day to feel good about their own bodies would be such a gift. Yeah. Yeah. Me too. Me too. So if you're listening, your body is okay. And yes. you are beautiful. Absolutely beautiful. Just the way you are like yoga pants and no makeup and however you are today. If you know, like, because we are all beautiful. And and it's interesting to me, like my husband, when I first wake up in the morning, he'll be like, you are so beautiful first thing in the morning. And I'm like, that is just such a lot. And he's like, no, but to me, like, there's no makeup, there's no whatever, you're just relaxed. And that. And so I think if we listen to the people who tell us we're beautiful more, and stop listening to the people who don't who tell us we're not, you know, because mm-hmm. a lot of times, you know, whether it's just your significant other, whoever it is, will oftentimes tell us, you know, that they like certain things or whatever. And we just don't want to listen for whatever reason. And the time to start listening that is now because mm. they really feel that way. That's why they're with us. And that's why they, you know, they were attracted to us. And even if we don't see it, you know, they, they really do see it. Well, I remember when I was like in the throes of body loathing and just blame and anger, I was so angry at my body, you know, cause I have Hashimoto's and it made it harder for me to lose weight. And I was always like, so angry, you know, and I would say to my, I would say to people, like, do I look fat? Do I look fat? And, and I remember each time I said that, like, really, is there any right answer to that? Except no, <laughs> you know, like you're not gonna. And then I realized like, wow, I am letting other people decide for me what I think about myself based on what their opinion is and how disempowering that is. Like, and I just, I vowed to myself, I'm never going to ask that question again. I'm never going to say, how do I look? Do I look good? Do I look fat? Because it's not important what they think. It's important what I think. Yeah. And what I know, that's what really matters. And, you know, you can feel like you can, I call it like fat days. You have these like fat days and it could be like you're menstruating or it could be you're bloated or you had too much salt and, and, and you can create a story around how you look based on that feeling of bloatedness or heaviness or whatever. And that's not reality. That's not truth. That's just what I'm experiencing right today. You know what I mean? And so I realized yeah. like, 
I have to, I have to rid myself of these stories and these faulty beliefs and stop giving my power over to other people and to start to tune into what I know to be my intrinsic worth. And again, that's what I would always, I always say to my clients, like, what do you think? How do you feel? You know, not, it's not important what I think. It's important what you think. Yeah. Yeah. That is so important. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Yeah. So you talked a little bit about, um, you said you had Hashimoto. So how did you find out about that? How did. So uh, I mentioned earlier that I was, I was dieting from a very early age and I struggled with my weight, you know, like my mom is, I don't know, like 99 pounds and she's this petite woman and my brother didn't struggle. My dad didn't struggle. And, you know, I loved food and I loved eating. My mom was a chef and I just, you know, started to complain. Like, why is it so hard for me? Like, Oh my God, why, why do I look different than the other kids? Blah, blah, blah. Finally, my mom's like, well, if you're so unhappy, let's get you checked. Let's go to the doctor. And lo and behold, I was actually 15 at that time. Um, I had thyroid, I had hypothyroidism later came to realize that it was the autoimmune version of um, thyroid hypothyroidism, which is called Hashimoto's. And some of the symptoms of that are difficulty losing. I would have to work that much harder if I wanted what I wanted. And um, I was, I was accepting of that. I knew that was the case. Um, And then I changed the goalpost. My goalpost wasn't then to lose weight. It was how do I thrive with Hashimoto's? How do I feel my best with Hashimoto's? Like, I don't have to suffer. I don't have to blame my body for having this condition. It is what it is. But I have an opportunity now to fuel it in the way that I know is right for people who have Hashimoto's. Like, how do I feed this body to make it have energy and to feel my best? How do I move in a way that feels that I can live my best life? Really, that's, and that's what I've, what I mean by changing the goalpost. Well, that's awesome. Okay. Yeah. And that just kind of goes back to everything that you've said, right? Is that making peace with who you are and, and how do I make myself feel good with Hashimoto's and, you know, just anybody could fill in the blank, right? How do I feel good with whatever, you know, how do I feel, feed my body best with, with whatever I have and how do yeah. I feel best about myself when I look in the mirror with whatever, you know, like however, yeah. whatever, you know, whatever you need to do in the particular instance that you're in. But instead of saying, how do I make myself into X person, right? Yes. How do I make myself into me, a good me that feels the best version of me with this. And not necessarily the best version being the version you would see on television or in a movie. Probably Mm -hmm. that's definitely not the best version unless you want to spend a hundred thousand dollars a year on plastic (laughs) surgery and creams and goops, you know, because people aren't, you know, it's funny because coming from LA, I, 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 we moved to Tennessee and people would, I, we'd watch TV with other people and they're like, do you think she's had surgery? And I'm like, sweetie, if they're on TV, chances are, you know, that's what's happened. And they're like, no. Um, <laughs> yeah. Cause where we, where we lived and it wasn't that affluent of an area, it was just a normal area, but a, a typical gift then, this is 2000 for 16 year olds was a boob job or a nose job. 16 year old girls, which is part of the reason why we left there because I didn't want my girls growing up. They were already, am I too fat? Am I whatever this and watching their weight at seven and 10, you know, and it just was not healthy. But, um, but it's just, it's so sad to me that, you know, that's what we're pushing for people. And um, that's why people like you, your voice needs to be heard because 
people need to hear it. And, um, and there's ways to contact you and I'll have those in the show notes and I'll have them on my website so that if they want to talk to you more, right. So, so you work with people. Don't you? Like, I do. Okay. So I work one-on-one with people. I have uh, a, a wonderful office space in, in near Boston. It's a whole integrative wellness center. And I, I'm just one of one of many practitioners there. And then I also have see people online and I have group programs and self-guided programs and um, all kinds of ways to work with me. So that's awesome. So somebody's far away because we have people that listen even in other countries. So for oh, yes. somebody in another part of the world, even that's that thinks, Oh my gosh, I love what she's saying. I would love to talk to her. They can still. Oh yes, absolutely. I've worked with people all over the world. That is fantastic. It's so exciting. Well, I know. Yeah. I'm so glad that we got to talk. Well, you have some amazing things. Is there anything else that you wanted to share that we haven't touched on today? Um, no, but I just love talking with you. Oh I could God. just keep going. <laughs> <laughs> Me too. This is, and it, uh, yeah, it's just so amazing. So I do have two questions before we go that I want to ask you. Um, the first is what advice would you give other women that are struggling with chronic illness? The advice I would give is as hard as it is, I would really sit with everything that your body experiences with this condition because Oftentimes we try to numb out to pain and numb out to discomfort and judge it and criticize it and be angry at it. And what I would say is befriend it and see, give it a voice, see what, how does your body feel with this? What are the conditions where you might feel better? You can't answer those questions unless you agree to be in the body, even through discomfort and even through pain. So that's what I would say is really agree to and accept that this is your condition and learn how to thrive with it and, um, and feel the best that you possibly can um, despite the condition. Okay. And I love that and learn to thrive with it because you know, that's the thing, it, no matter where you are, like a, a, the guy that played Superman, Christopher Reeves, you know, you think about yeah. him and he had, I mean, he had that traumatic accident, but he still, he still went out and he still lived and he had a life. And so I think well, no matter what we're going through, we can think, you know, like there are other people that go through these things and they're so huge, but they still live. And so, also like Hawking, who is that gentleman Hawking. who just died? Yeah. Yes, he's another example of that. Yeah, I mean, diagnosed at 21, he was only supposed to live a couple of years. And look what he did with his life. I mean, he made the choice then to do something. So wherever you are, you can make the choice. Um, but like you said, unless you really sit down with your body and think about, you know, what's happening, you can't help the things that you can help, right? If you're just mm-hmm. ignoring it and putting it off. So exactly. that is great. Yes. Okay. And what is your superpower? Ooh, my superpower is um, deep and whole body listening. I love giving people the gift of truly listening without thinking about what my responses will be and what I want to say in, you know, in, you know, the back and forth. Sometimes people just want to be heard and sometimes people just want to be understood. And I feel that I'm able to give that gift to people and that makes me feel so happy and feel like I'm really contributing um, to the relationships that I'm in and in, in communities and, and so forth. Wow. And I feel like that when I talk to you too, like, I feel like you hear what I'm saying. 
you know, and you're, you're not just thinking about the next thing. So that is so awesome. That is definitely a superpower. Well, that's <laughs> awesome. Well, thank you so much for sharing all this. And I'm really looking forward to reading your book. I haven't gotten a chance to read it yet, but it sounds so great. What Can you tell us the name of it again? Sure. It's called The Body Image Blueprint. And the tagline is your go-to guide for radical self-reverence. Awesome. And where could people find that? People can find it on Amazon. It's available on Kindle and I'm working on an audiobook as well. Very cool. Awesome. So if you're listening and you want to hear more, which I want to hear more. Um, so we'll go there and we can pick up that book. And um, that's great. If you want to contact her, everything will be in the show notes, all the ways you can contact her. And um, thanks again for coming today. I look forward to talking to you again soon. Thank you so much, Jen. This has been such a pleasure for me. Thank you. Thank you again, Jenny, for being on the show. Was she great or what? It was so amazing to talk to her. And if you want to find Jenny, you can look in the show notes and there are links to finding her everywhere. Her book sounds amazing. I'm really looking forward to reading it. And I recommend it because she's got some really great ideas on how to finally accept our bodies and who we are. And I love the idea about pleasure and allowing ourselves to feel pleasure. It's about time that we gave ourselves permission for that. So thank you for being with me today and listening. If you'd like to share your ideas with me or contribute some thoughts for a future episode, I'd love it if you would shoot me an email at jen at the sickmomsguide.com. That's jen at the sickmomsguide.com. And like always, we'd love it if you'd subscribe too. Our music today is A New Day by Scott Holmes. Look forward to talking with you next week.